0: Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This will be a two-part message, really. Today, we'll consider the walk of the believer and then, next time, God willing, the weight of the believer. Paul has, these. remember these, these Christians in Thessaloniki have not been Christians very long. Paul wasn't with them that long. He gave them a tremendous amount of teaching in the time that he was there. But then he had to leave and as soon as he left he was concerned about them. It is obvious that they were in a dark world of paganism on let's see, on Wednesday nights in our study in First Kings Ahab and Jezebel are on the throne in the northern kingdom of Israel and Jezebel was a priestess of Baal And the worship of the Baalim had been introduced and enjoyed really by not only the king and the queen, but they had imported prophets of Baal. And so these prophets were setting up shop everywhere and sexual activity and misbehavior and 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 perversion perverted acts were part of the so-called worship of baal because all of those cultic religions uh, came forth from a worship of fertility um Produce from the ground and then that of course produced a worship of the sun and they had a plethora of gods and goddesses finally that they would worship they all shared however in the inclusion of sexually perverted behavior there were priests and priestesses and so the northern kingdom of Israel found a religion that would stamp approval on terrible behavior that was earthen and, and, and sinful. Well, that same mode of operation, that same modality transfers from the Old Testament set of gods and goddesses to the New Testament set Greek and Roman gods and goddesses again the worship had its priests and priestesses and its sexually perverted behavior as part of the worship Thessaloniki was a pagan city they had their Gods and goddesses that they worshipped. They were Gentiles. So they weren't familiar with the concept or the teaching of one almighty God. They weren't really that in tune or could understand the teaching of the Messiah, the Christ. They certainly were out of tune with regard to the Ten Commandments and the Law of Moses. And the expectation of God for his people to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be pure. And the Holy Spirit then, through Paul's preaching and teaching and his companions with him, fell mightily in Thessaloniki, and people were saved. They were saved out of this darkness. They were babes in Christ and probably... As Paul writes back to them here in 1 Thessalonians, for the most part, we're still pretty much babes in Christ. Paul has mentioned and will again how much he wants to see them and how much more he needs to teach them for what they lack and they need to know. So this is the setting as we come into 1 Thessalonians, but particularly here. Because Paul is going to directly address the church regarding their uh, personal lives, knowing that they had come out of a world of paganism where, where sexual immorality was rampant and had been approved and enjoyed by people as part of religion, as part of worship. So there was no shame in a pagan world of what the Bible would have identified as sexual immorality. Knowing that they had come out of this, Paul is extremely concerned because he's not there with them. He's left them to themselves and he wonders how they are dealing with the world from which they had just come out of. And so in his deep concern, he, he mentions other things before he gets to this part. And so Paul addresses the walk of a believer. The church in the world is distinct and, and separate from the world. The ideology of the world, the behavior of the world, what the world accepts, what the world believes, these are totally opposite of what the church believes and is taught. So being in the world, not of the world, Christians find themselves overwhelmed by worldly teaching and principles and behavior. And a Christian is to maintain distinction from the rest of the world. So Paul addresses this directly. And I'll tell you, there is probably not a a teaching that is as appropriate for the church, not just in America, but in the world, as this teaching uh, of Paul to the Thessalonians today. The walk and the way... First part is the walk. We should walk in holiness or separation. The word to be holy, I guess, the, the word in its original meaning speaks of a distinct separation. There's a difference between a Christian and the world. Generally speaking, the world has no problem with... Uh, with lawlessness or or sinfulness the world the world can't understand it the world is dead in trespass and sin now there are legal codes throughout human history from monarchs so as to try to maintain some kind of order in the midst of chaos but even In the edicts that come from from, uh, government officials, however they may have been governed in whatever place during whatever time. They did not address, generally speaking, how an individual can sin sexually. You woke up now, aren't you? So walk in holiness, his exhortation. Let's look at it. Finally, then brothers, we ask and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. Now let's break this down. They are in the Lord Jesus. They have the presence of the Holy Spirit. They're in Christ. And they are empowered in a way that the world is not empowered. And we have the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. We have have communication with God both through prayer and by his word. We can receive it. We can be taught by it and fed by his word. And we can walk with God our hand in his because we have the Holy Spirit in us. The world doesn't care anything about it. The world cannot understand the Bible. It means nothing to the world. They'll laugh at it. You try to teach them the Bible. Unless and until they are born again, the scriptures are meaningless to the world. The admonition here is to the church. When it comes to behavior, may I say, really the only authority we have in the church is in the church. And the church under that admonition is taught and ex- and by exhortation led into obedience to Christ under the authority of his word and the word has authority over anyone who claims to be a believer has absolute authority over you it's you're you're in a very dangerous and precarious situation if you think of yourself as a believer and and live in abject opposition To the Word of God, punishment will come if you are a Christian. If I live that way and punishment doesn't come, I would worry. I would worry that I'm not a believer because he will chastise his own. You in the Lord Jesus, you received from us how you ought to walk and please God, to satisfy God, to please God. The word, the word up there. Reskin. To please. It, It means to satisfy God. This is our job. We're not here to satisfy the boss for whom we work. God didn't save us to do that. He's called us to live a life of peace. And not chaos. And he's called us to work and to produce But the line has to be drawn if we're in some kind of institution or organization that requires us to live in any wit of our lives apart from, separate to, and in opposition to the Word of God. We can't do that. We have a higher authority. Christians have a higher authority than the Constitution of the United States of America. I grew up understanding that it was... That the Constitution is almost sacred. I mean, it's the greatest man-made document, in my view, apart from apart from uh, the Bible. But it, it falls, it it falls under the examination, scrutiny, and ploy of people of darkness who are in power and they misconstrue words and they make wrong decisions in opposition to what the words really say. So you know, as great of a document as it is, and I have sought to live my life walking the walk as an American citizen of the Constitution of the United States of America. But if at any time the powers that be determine that that part which I'm walking after actually means something by which I should walk against the word of God then I have no choice. I have to walk with the word of God. So the apostle Paul is saying to the Thessalonians you're separated from the world and you're walking in the world the world is watching you and your job is to satisfy or to please God in the world. This is your job. We are called upon as believers to please God before we please anybody else. Now in a world where these Thessalonians had lived, you know they have to have some kind of sympathy for the friends and family members that are still in paganism and are still with, with regard to the context are still involved in what the Christians see as sexual immorality. Now the world is not ashamed of that. The world doesn't understand. The world doesn't know, doesn't care. But the Christian does because we are under obligation and we are under the authority of the Word of God and the Word of God is very clear. With regard to sexual behavior, it's very simple, really. I'll talk more about it in a second to all. And please God, as you do, but I exhort you to excel still more. You're good, but you ain't where you need to be. You need to abound in your walk, over and above, even where you are now. So, in this room of believers, please God that we may all be believers. If not, you don't have to leave that away. How do we we regard the social issues of the day? How do we regard those things? Is your walk excelling more and more so that you can see the red flags that come up here and there and you immediately identify those things that are in total opposition of the Word of God? This is where Paul wants us all to be, but specifically he wants the Thessalonians to be there because apparently, there's, there's still a little uh, laxity among the brethren with regard to sexual behavior. So, we're to walk in holiness. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Now, you can imagine the Apostle Paul, he really addresses it in his first letter to the Corinthians the things that the Corinthians were doing. And Paul is appalled at what the church is allowing to happen with regard to sexual immorality and misbehavior. And he says, you're going to have to put those people away. That's what he said. So we know that Paul, having studied what he taught the Corinthians, we know what Paul would have taught the Thessalonians as well. He would have seen how they were living. And in their teaching sessions, Paul would have sat down with him and said, Now, let me tell you something. You're in Christ. Christ is the Son of God. And God is the creator of all things. And uh, who we are today in Christ has been born out of what preceded us by the people of God in the Old Testament. And they had rules. Now, at this point in time, probably the only scriptures Paul had was the Old Testament. He wasn't teaching them to live the law of Moses, but he was revealing to them God's attitude towards sin. It, the, 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 the Ten Commandments are valuable to us because they identify and define sin. You shall not, you shall not. If you do, you're a sinner. We're all sinners. The Ten Commandments have concluded us all to be sinners. We're, con- we're, we're concluded to be under sin because of the law. That's the value of the law to us. We wouldn't have, have otherwise known what sin was. So Paul, you can go to Leviticus 18, for example. Paul says he's teaching the um, God, Yahweh, is teaching the Israelites through Moses. He says, and he says to them, you're headed to Canaan. And you're going to see behavior and a life and lifestyle that you've never really seen before. And so a series of, of laws are given. You shall not do this. This is an abomination. He starts out with nudity. Nudity is forbidden except for husbands and wives. It's forbidden in any other way, nudity. And then he goes on to incest. You can't have relations with anybody. An incestuous relationship like that. He, he, he moves and, and there's a fairly long definition of what would be included in incest. And then he moves into homosexuality. And then he moves into bestiality. And he said, this is is how they behave and how they act over there where you're headed. And you're not to be that way. So God gives them. Now this would be a foundational passage that Paul would have had to use in teaching the Thessalonians. But you'll notice commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. If you go to Matthew 19, Jesus teaches on divorce. It's a very simple thing. The the biblical standard is very simple. It's not complicated at all. Jesus quotes the Old Testament. and He said the creator created male and female. That's simple. It's not (laughs) <laughs> How is it people question that? This is, not a, this is not a hard thing to understand. Male and female created he them. Male, two, that's it. And I'm like the Frenchman, vive la différence, right? But when they come together, Christ then teaches further. He says, and the man shall leave his mother and his father. And he will be bound to, he will cleave to his wife. And they will become one flesh. They make up mankind. And so God, from the beginning, establishes that his beautiful human race would be built on the family unit. A man and a woman for one lifetime having children and raising them in love and in admonition and under the scriptures and under the authority of God. And that would be passed from generation to generation. (laughs) How could anybody misunderstand male and female? It's a simple thing. It's not difficult at all. Now, sin attacks it. The, The Satan attacks it. Let's look at this. Through the Lord Jesus. So he could have drawn upon Leviticus 18. He could have certainly drawn upon Matthew 19. The the teaching of Christ. Man and a woman. One man for one woman for one lifetime. This is the ideal of God. Listen. Hey, I tell you what. We look at. I don't know how to say this. Let's see. We're under a barrage of sexual iniquity in the world, especially in our country. We're overwhelmed and we're drowning in thoughts, that I I couldn't have ever imagined. High-ranking officials in our federal government who are cross-dressers. One guy was binary, binary, binary. I'm still trying to figure that one out. If, If we don't repent of this, we deserve whatever's coming. I'll just tell you. Now look, this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is the will of God. Now what is sanctification? It is to be separate to God apart from sin. So in our lives as Christians, we should be growing closer and closer to God. We should be progressing spiritually in our lives. So that less and less of the world has any meaning for us. This is our sanctification. Being separated more and more to God And away from the world and its ideology, its thoughts, its principles, whatever. This is the will of God. The purpose of God. That you abstain from sexual immorality. Porneus. Porneus. Porn. Porneus. The crazy things that are happening today. And they're trying to teach our children in preschool that they don't really know whether or not they're a boy or a girl yet, you know. And I read where states are actually passing laws to keep schools from giving medicine to children that will somehow try to flip them in their minds from being the other one of which they are. It's unbelievable. The word, the brilliance of the Holy Spirit, porneus, it it, it covers it all. Here is God's guidelines, very simple. The marriage, the writing in the New Testament, the marriage bed is not defiled. Husbands and wives, go at it and have a good time. Be imaginative, I don't care. It ain't my business. It's not defiled as long as it's the man and the woman, the husband and the wife. That's your, that's your business. Hey, um, never mind. <laughs> I had a suggestion or two, but I ain't gonna make it. We'll so. <laughs> stop there. But this is the married life. This is the Christian married life. Anything outside of that with regard to sexual behavior is sin. Now if it's with another married, if it's a man with another married woman, that's adultery. If it's a woman with another married man, that's adultery. If it's a man with a, an unmarried woman, that's fornication. If it's a woman with an unmarried man, that's fornication. If it's a man with another man, that's fornication. If it's a woman with another woman, that's fornication. It's sexual sin. I've even read, no, I, that, I'm not going to say that. If you commit, no, if you, this is where not using notes is bad. If you seek sexual gratification outside of your marriage chamber, you are a sinner. You are in terrible sin, grievous sin. And that marriage chamber has to be a man and a woman. That's it. It's easy to define. It's easy to define sexual immorality. It's easy to define. Anything else other than that is sin. Whatever it is. And here we live in this world where we are overwhelmed with sexual immorality. And it comes in every kind of way you can imagine. And it's not new. None of it. You know, I thought, man, you know, okay. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm 71. I was a cop for 16 years and I thought I had seen everything. Then I moved to Key West. <laughs> and then I thought I'd seen Everything. And then in just recent years, all of these definitions, these sexual so-called definitions, and I thought, man, I got to tell you something I've learned. I, I, did, I spent a great deal of time studying the word poroneus and how the Greeks in the Greek world expanded it. Whatever you can think of with regard to Sexually perverted behavior, whatever. Whatever you can think of. And I'm so afraid that there are still things that hadn't been revealed yet or whatever. But whatever you can think of, there is a Koine Greek word for it. It's already been tried and it's already been done. it's nothing new under the sun. I was shocked by that. Now I could have brought a list. there were about 28 of them I can't remember how many were of the Greek words that describe various kinds of sexual misbehavior, perversion. Now you'd think there'd only be two or three. But the general word is Poneeus. So the word there covers it all. It's the, it's the big word that covers it all. And here is the teaching to the church: This is the will of God your sanctification, that you are separated from this and that you abstain from sexual immorality, whatever it is, if it's not sexual behavior between a man and his wife in the marriage chamber, it is sexual immorality, period. Very easy to understand. That's not difficult. That's not hard. It's very easy to understand. So it all comes down under this. It doesn't matter how heinous it may seem, or weird, or whatever. It all comes under this: sexual behavior, any kind at all, outside of the marriage chamber, is sexual immorality, and comes it comes under this broad meaning of porneus. Can't get any plainer than that. The Thessalonians needed to excel a little more. And here's the world that we live in. People enjoy it. People promote it. And have no shame because of it. And the shamelessness is the part that will destroy us finally. To be that stone cold in the presence of unbelievable sexual immorality. God has built his creation on families. Nations are built on families. Our societal structure is devastated sooner or later. If we collapse in any way into porneus and we don't care anything, it's okay. Let them do what the, this is where the church is failing today. The church is trying to agree with the world and trying to appear loving to the world when in actuality they are stamping a ticket for the world to go to hell. We start with who we are. Individually and as a church. That's, that's where it's, it's, this is it. I can't, I don't make laws I'm not involved in the behavior of the world. I'll preach the word of God. It will affect some, many it will not affect. But I will preach it and teach it as long as I can. And God will make it have an effect according to the way he sees fit by his purpose and will. This is my job. I can't police the world. But I can only the authority of the word of God Stand up and condemn Within the church What the world is doing And warn the church This is not for us We are warned in the scriptures That this will destroy us Our Sexual sin destroys families Destroys Husbands and wives and children It destroys families And families are never the same And when that happens, it begins to put cracks in the nation where we live. And those cracks get bigger. And then and then comes along the lackadaisical attitude that, you know, just do whatever you just whatever. Just, you know. It's terrible. To be unashamed. And to think that we as a church could include anything that the Bible calls sexual immorality. Entire denominations are crumbling in this world. The church of England will collapse because of its recent decisions. The Bible is very clear and plain. We have no other authority. We have no higher authority. That's it, the word of God. The word of God is given to us. This is the will of God so that we may know God. Get to know him more. And the more you're around somebody, the more you get to know that person. So you talk to God in prayer and you read his word and the Holy Spirit then begins to open up the definitions of who God is as you can receive it. You become closer to God. You become stronger in your faith. This is who we are that we may know God as as, as Paul said to the church at Philippi. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. This is, this is us. This is who we are. Number one. We are commanded. To abstain from sexual immorality. So those of us in shallow. We have to we have. To have a determined understanding biblically of sexual immorality. And we must abstain from it. Not just physically, but emotionally and and, and mentally to abstain from it. This is not who we are. This does not define a Christian. Sanctified and in the will of God, but he goes from there. I'm not sure I'm going to get through with all this today. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel. Now that word for vessel means utensil, skios. I have a body, you have a body. It's a physical thing. It's a vessel that we can use in this present life. It is designed. For our use in this life. And so we, we use it to work. We use it to, to love our family and to, as Christians, we use, it, we use our bodies to, to try to be obedient to areas of service where we are gifted, as God has gifted us. This is who we are. This is our vessel. To possess His own vessel in sanctification. And honor. Respect. The word honor. It it means the word it means respect. To me. To me. Possess. Don't let the body control you. We have this power. Number one because we are in Christ Jesus. And the power of the Holy Spirit abides within us. Number two. As the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to obey the Word of God, to understand the Word of God, and to be obedient to the Word of God. And so we maintain control over our vessel in the immediate context sexually. We say no, we abstain. We don't engage, we don't, we don't get involved. Not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. There is a powerful indictment there. Those who collapse into sexual immorality and they just live there and they enjoy it, they don't know God. That's not me, that's what it says. Like the unbelievers. An unbeliever who doesn't know God Collapses into a world of sexual immorality. Sees nothing wrong with it. And indulges in it. Lustful passion and all the other stuff here. Paul says. Christian Thessalonians. You have the power. To be in possession of your own vessel. In sanctification and respect or honor. Because those who are not so. So are simply unbelievers. Not having the power of God, not having the conviction of God. We're not perfect and we can sin, but I'll tell you this, we don't stay there. It's an awful, awful feeling for a believer to stumble into sin. It's a horrible feeling. It's terrible. And the weight of that conviction has to be dealt with only through prayer Reading the Word of God and the nurturing of the Holy Spirit. Repentance. Confess it, repent it. And we're forgiven. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have a Savior. We have a high priest. We're not perfect. Every one of us since we were saved have sinned. But bless God, we didn't stay there. We came out of it by the power of God because we belong to him. That's because we know God. But these others who just enjoy it, look forward to it, live for it, can't speak against it, those don't know God. It couldn't be any plainer than what Paul says here. Let me hurry. That no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter. Now, why does he say it that way? Well, probably, probably because there had been reports or proof that a man or, from, from one marriage and a woman from another marriage and they're in the same church and they commit adultery. You've defrauded your brother. You've lied. You're a cheater. You're a double crosser. And you've transgressed. You stepped over the line. They, that may have been okay in your previous life, but not now. You're a Christian. You're a believer. This does not please God. It's not the will of God. That no man transgress, defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord. Is the Avenger in all these things? Uh, Can't think of his name. The, The the great preacher from not Adrian Rogers, but the one before him. Anyway, he had a sermon. Payday someday. That's tough. You don't get away with these things as a Christian. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, warned you, for God did not call us to impurity. <laughs> this is not the call of God in our lives. So the the failing part of the Methodist Church with their I don't know priestesses in their in their butch haircuts with their rainbow drape around their neck. God didn't call them to that. Didn't call them to that at all. God doesn't call us into sexual impurity. Not at all. There's the answer for all of those who struggle with this in the church today, who struggle with what's going on. Oh, we can't be mean. We can't. Let me tell you, you'd better be obedient. Being mean has nothing to do with it. It's to be a believer and to stand in sanctification and to live in sanctification and to be obedient to the word of God and to be solemn and sober in life. God did not call us to redefine the Bible, to redefine sexuality, to redefine marriage. We're not called for that. We're called to sanctification. Consequently, he who sets this aside is not setting aside man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Setting God aside. Aside, walk in harmony. Concerning the love of the brothers, that's brotherly love. That's the uh, Philadelphia, yes, that's the brotherly love. You have no need for anyone to write you. They're good in loving one another in the fellowship. To write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice toward all the brothers who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to excel still more. We covered that last time, and let me go on. Finally, walk in honesty. To make your ambition in life to lead a quiet life. There's nothing wrong with leading a quiet life. Attend to your own business. You ever heard the song, why don't you mind your own business? And You won't be your mind, in mind. Okay. <laughs> Concert at three. All right. Work with your hands. Here it is. Shut up. Mind your own business. And go to work. (laughs) That's about it, isn't it? Just as we commanded you so that you will walk properly toward outsiders. And not be in any need. The church doesn't need to come across to the world as though we are beggarly. By the power of God, we can stand on our own. Just follow the apostolic design. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the son of God and he came into this world to save sinners The Bible tells us to admit that we're a sinner, to believe in Jesus, and to call upon His name, confessing our sin. Today, if you would come to Christ, we have deacons and their wives. As you exit this service right across the hall, you'll see them standing in the doorways. They're ready to pray with you. Maybe you're here, God leads you to come into this membership. They're ready to deal with you in whatever the case may be, to be saved. To come into this fellowship, you just stop in and let them talk with you and pray with you. Right now, let's stand and we'll be dismissed.